Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Ostroff with Legalese Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorneys, where I interview attorneys and other experts across the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. Joining me, uh, my Exhibit A of a successful attorney, Paul Yokobitis. Paul, for those of you that don't know him, is an estate planning attorney and owner of Cary Estate Planning in North Carolina, in Cary, North Carolina, mm-hmm. in case that wasn't uh, clear, <laughs> and also recently has started Discovery Legal Marketing a Facebook advertising agency for lawyers. He uses results-driven conversion coaching method that primes his clients for success without tying them down to a long-term contract. And because I know probably less about webinar marketing, that's why I had Paul come on, because as a fractional CMO for law firms, if we don't know something, we connect you to a great expert. So here's one of those. Uh, Paul's also an attorney, like we talked about, a state planning attorney. We met Paul, did we, I think we met at Max Law in person, but I think we knew each other before that in 2019. Yep. Yeah. June of 19. Yeah. So that's coming up again in uh, about six weeks. Tickets, I believe, are already sold out. So you may have missed out. Paul, you will be speaking on this topic. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, there we go. Fishing so... with the right bait, uh, scaling your law firm with Facebook webinar campaigns. Awesome. And I'll be talking about the seven essential questions to marketing that'll take place in St. Louis on uh, 10, 12, 10, 13, mm-hmm. et cetera. I don't believe it'll be available virtual, but hopefully some of the stuff will drop afterwards. And so I don't know why I'm going on for this because it's already <laughs> sold out. But that being said, uh, like we're going to talk about the art of scaling your law firm with webinar marketing today. For those of you that are more interested in that, we'll give you Paul's contact information. It is www.discoverylegalmarketing.com. We'll have that in the chat and everything is like it sounds. It's not one of those weird words that had to be spelled incorrectly to, uh, to get its right logo. So it makes it easy. Discovery Legal Marketing. Uh, when you're done hearing about how to scale your firm with webinar marketing, or if you want to know what to do with all the time and money and cases that Paul's going to send your way through that webinar marketing, then you need to watch our episode that aired last week with Wendy Witt, where Wendy talked about designing your dream life as a lawyer, because obviously our dream life has to be funded by our law firm, which has to be funded by the right cases. So enough about that. Um, you can watch that full episode. It was awesome. Really dives deep on some stuff. And I always love hearing what Wendy has to share. Let's go back to Paul, though. So scaling your firm with webinar marketing. Um, I'm going to start off. I told Russ, our buddy, uh, that I would start with dumb questions. So what is webinar marketing? That's, let's start at the very basics of this. Well, webinar marketing is sort of a subset of presentation marketing generally. So presentation marketing is sort of tried and true. It's It's been a part of uh, really any successful estate planning and and sometimes you know immigration or family or any sort of like demographic sensitive practice area lawyers since you know decades ago but it was usually like the steak dinner direct mail campaign type variety of presentation marketing so they were generally going to be in person at a nice venue wine and dine and then you're basically trying to convince people to to have the, the discussion right have the consultation and so webinar marketing has been around for a while pre-covid but i think covid really sort of shifted the emphasis to being sort of everywhere, um, you know, more sensitive to people's ability to get out and, and be engaged in these these sorts of in-person uh, opportunities. And it really uh, took off, uh, you know, even more so during COVID. COVID. Um, obviously, Zoom became sort of a, a household name. Uh, it just sort of made the world 
uh, at the you know your uh, reach of your fingertips through uh, the camera on your phone or on your laptop or what have you. But these really powerful webinar platforms uh, became a little bit more popular in uh, the professional services industry as sort of uh, sales platforms, video sales platforms. Instead of just being sort of a video conf conferencing solution, it's actually you know software that's aimed at you know calls to action, compelling you know people to take forward and take the next step and those sort of things. So when COVID hit, we actually had in-person webinars or in I'm sorry, in-person seminars booked for the week that our state basically shuttered its doors. Um, and we had to very quickly pivot um, existing leads, existing signups to an online medium. And it, and it fell flat quickly because it was lackluster and last minute. And we didn't have the opportunity to really um, prepare for it and um, you know, market it as a digital presentation. And so our first solution was, was very last minute. It was just a Facebook Live. So we basically took all of our leads that had signed up for these in-person uh, you know, workshops we were putting on. There was about four of them on deck. So we had over 100 people signed up and we basically just invited all of them to a private Facebook group that was the same title as the, the presentation that we were giving at the time is not another estate planning seminar, right? Sort of tongue in cheek because all of these types of clients were, were, were uh, sort of inundated with these direct, uh, direct mail flyers. That would just be like, yeah, what, what do I need a trust? You know, come have a steak dinner at this nice restaurant. So we tried to sort of like flip that on its ear and and be actually helpful, have you know workbooks that people would fill out and and actually like come to an understanding as to what was best for them and how they could start the ball rolling with picking their actual um, you know choices for these types of important decisions. And so we basically just grabbed all of these these emails and just invited all of the leads to a private Facebook group, and then I did a live presentation within the group at the times that I otherwise was going to be doing the in-person seminars. And that was not great. Um, it was sufficiently fine. Obviously there was a replay within the group, but we didn't have the call to action. That was you know, very intentional. We didn't have the opportunity to actually take the first step. It was just kind of there. So uh, we kind of chalked March, 2020 up for a loss and, and immediately started investigating uh, better presentation platforms. We ended up landing on a, a program called Demio, um, which is specifically for webinar sales. And so a lot of lawyers sort of, you know, they hate the S word, but uh, at the end of the day, all of us are salespeople. It's just a matter of what you're selling. Uh, and so I think a lot, you know, the, the best lawyers are selling themselves sort of, why would you work with my firm? And why would you want to, you know, use our services versus somebody else's rather than being like the sleazy, you know, door to door vacuum salesman or the, the car dealer kind of thing. And so we quick, so I want to, I want to jump sorry, in for ahead. a second because we're, yeah. we're going to, we'll break this down a little more detail. So first, uh, Russell Farber says no dumb questions. I don't know if that was to support me or to beg me not to ask dumb questions. <laughs> I'll take it either way. Um, so I want to get into this, but I want to back up for a second as we yeah. lead into this, uh, we're going to start it in media ray, I guess we're in the middle of a sure. problem, but can you share a little bit more about your story? Cause I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm so, I don't want to say proud cause that's not the right word, but like, I'm so in awe of what you've been able to do. And so I, I want to hear more about, so for me and for everybody else, walk me through how it was working before that and about how you were growing your firm. And then we can jump back into a little bit more on the problem solving side of it. Yeah. And so uh, I started Carrie estate planning in, in October of 2018. So it's, it's uh, not quite three years ago. Um, I started as a true solo and and started hiring uh, in, a, in a really limited basis about six months later. April of 19 was my first hire. 
and it was a, a part-time uh, position to just really help with the triage of, you know, client communication and scheduling and, you know, following up on document review and those sort of things, just the things that I just didn't have time to do as much anymore. Uh, hired another uh, part-time um, employee about a month later to help with the actual legal production. So, you know, the data entry in our drafting software, uh, revision or review of documents, those sort of things. And I basically stayed that way for the rest of the year. We ended up uh, implementing presentation marketing in the form of workshops that fall. And so um, in our first full year, so we started October 18, that really only gave us a quarter out of 18 that we were open. Our first full year, we did about a half a million in revenue. And from there to now, we've about tripled that, a little over tripled that. And uh, now I have about 11 people. So we have four attorneys and seven non-attorney staff. And webinar marketing, or what is now you know, our, our marketing channel, webinar marketing, was uh, a large segment of that growth. And, and it's largely because you know when I was really doing all the lawyering, all the sales conversations, all the marketing, all the production, and those sort of things, there just becomes this this plateau or natural ceiling as to you know your marketing efforts and how um, adequate they're going to be to to get your ideal lead sort of threshold or number of leads sort of coming in the door, and so um, you know those are generally going to be things like you know networking, you know the sort of person to person marketing, um, generating those referral relationships. You can only manage so many relationships. Um, SEO, generally organic search or local search, you can only generate so much content, right? There's just natural plateaus. And so I started looking at what were financial advisors doing? What were other estate planning attorneys doing? Because we're kind of talking to the same potential clients. It's people who don't really have an urgency around planning necessarily. They're, they're more investigating, doing their research, figuring out who's going to be a right fit before taking that first step. And so it's a little bit different than like, car wrecks or traffic tickets or divorce where there's there's something looming and so we basically it's, started looking. i always refer to it as it's proactive versus other areas of law mostly being reactive exactly right yeah because there's you know obviously everybody's going to pass away at some point but it's generally not some like looming deadline that you have obviously there are people who are terminally ill that that's a little bit more urgent for them but generally speaking you're right it's 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 proactive thinking ahead but it's not something that's got some sort of deadline so um, the local search, the organic search, and the the more passive investigatory channels are a lot more conducive for things like proactive planning or for like, you know, potentially even divorce, which can be proactive planning too. And so webinars are really conducive to that or Facebook advertising generally are really conducive to that. But it allowed me to extend past my existing network in a meaningful way and reach people that I don't didn't know exist and didn't know exist or didn't know I existed. And so that's really paid media, right? That's, that's uh, you know, Facebook advertising, Google AdWords, LSAs, you know, commercials. You're basically reaching a segment of your market that doesn't know you or probably doesn't know you, right? They would be less likely to, to discover you, but for these paid media opportunities. And for estate planning, it's really conducive to Facebook because it's so demographic sensitive. And so we started with these in-person workshops aimed at you know targeting a certain demographic of our community. Cary is a pretty big town. It's about 170,000 people over 54 square miles, but it's like a suburb of Raleigh. So you can target sort of based on region, you can target based on age, you can uh, target uh, what's most important for us is based on interests, things like retirement, things like you know different types of you know investment brokers and those sort of things. Um, because you sort of make these assumptions about things that they like. Well, if they like this, they might like that, right? 
And so that allowed us to access a larger segment of our community that we weren't already sort of in contact with. And we, so we started with in-person marketing to basically give us that, that uh, growth impetus to get us to that second stage growth to make more hires, to uh, increase our sort of system and process production, grow our physical footprint. We ended up getting an office uh, that was about 2000 feet right before COVID. A lot of that was because of a consistent stream of leads that were generated from these webinar campaigns. And so, yeah, so we always talk about it from the standpoint of awareness, consideration, and intent marketing. Mm -hmm. So awareness, great billboards, people are now where you exist. Consideration is huge for especially proactive estate planning, divorce stuff like you talked about, where mm -hmm. people are considering if they need it and considering if you're the right fit. And so I love that you were able to jump on the technological swing, jump on exactly the right thing for what your clients are considering when they need you or when they're not sure or whatever it is. And then obviously in the webinar format, you give them the opportunity to not have to leave their house and view it in a back and forth manner. That's it. And, and I think a lot of it is, is sort of, you know, uh, going off of what you just said, it's, it's understanding what your, your ideal uh, potential client is thinking, like, what are their intentions? How are they using information? Are they trying to get something very quickly and with a, with a looming deadline? Or are they doing more research to try to establish, you know, trust and credibility and those sort of things that would be a lot more important for the awareness marketing, for the, the research driven type marketing? But it's also like there are other kind of, you know, not unintended consequences, but sort of secondary priority aspects of webinars. Like that's a list building campaign. It's not the point of webinar marketing. The point is to get people to show up so that you can present uh, information to them. But you also have the added benefit of list building. So anybody who doesn't show up is still on your list. So you have the opportunity to, to you know, remarket to them. But it's I think at the end of the day, successful marketing requires you to understand the depths of your client, like not just surface level tool or feature oriented, you know, marketing, but like the why, like what, what are they really seeking? What is their pain point? What is their emotional trouble that gets them to a point of worry or, you know, that gets them seeking peace of mind. And with estate planning, it's a lot of, you know, it's the fact that they're not sure what's going to happen. It's an uncertainty around the future. It's a lack of control for what they don't really know is going to happen in the future right at some point obviously all of us pass away but we don't know the when um it's a it's a drive towards not leaving a mess behind right it's it's to make things easy for your family uh should anything happen for you right and so understanding that core influence of your client is key to really any marketing uh you know channel it's just a little bit more important for these sorts of webinar based uh, campaigns, because that's what's really going to connect with the client versus like a free download kind of thing. Right. So no offense, my fellow PI lawyers, but hypothetically, the, op the odds of somebody getting in a car accident and then scheduling to talk to you at the time that you have your next webinar booked for PI is going to be a much different situation because it's go, 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 go. Whereas the flip side to that, you know, while you don't have the same time constraints, you tend to have a little bit savvier of a clientele on the estate planning. You tend to have a little bit, you know, those demographics and whatnot that you're trying to target. So you need to make sure that this process flows and you might have a less tech savvy client. You know, I know COVID sent a lot of people, a lot of people of an older generation to the internet a lot more to zoom with their grandkids and whatnot, but you still need to make this as easy as possible for them. And, and, and that's sort of, across the board it's not just like make it easy to access but like make every step of it easy right you don't want to put you know significant hurdles in front of a potential client from them meeting with you or them you know signing a contract to rep or to work with you 
So that started first and foremost with Facebook as a channel. Like, like uh, there's a lot of shift in social media sort of over the years. You had sort of, you know, our generation started on Facebook, sort of branched into Instagram, TikTok, that kind of stuff. But our parents' generation is still on Facebook and that's where they're gonna stay for the foreseeable future. So if that's your ideal client demographic, Facebook is the venue for you, right? And they spend hours a day swipe, 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 swipe until they see something that's interesting. And if they're otherwise doing some research on estate planning and they just so happen to see something that is in alignment with that and does stand out, then they may be you know, willing to take the opportunity to learn more. But at the end of the day, the entire process has to be easy. So that's why we use Facebook. They're already there. That's why we use Demio. It's a one-click browser-based, you know, webinar sales platform. They don't have to download anything. We don't have to. You don't have the uh, tech issues that are sort of innate in Zoom and those sort of things. And then even further, if they can't attend, they're going to get a replay sent to them immediately, right? Right after it's done, it's going to sort of process, do its thing, and then send it out to the email that they registered with. So it's very low bar to entry in terms of access and usability and that kind of thing. But then even further, like it all smells the same, right? I, I like to say that as like your, your marketing is consistent across all platforms, like your ad and creative is a certain way and it's in sync with your landing page and it's in sync with your presentation and your onboarding emails. It all seems like it's from the same person. What a lot of people run into is they start grabbing these canned messages or these sort of like done for you things that don't necessarily align across all of the platforms. And so you start getting these disconnects, this authenticity, you know, disconnect. And so we're really big on coaching. We're really big on, on sort of like actually running through, making sure that there aren't any holes in the bucket where it comes to the actual messaging, that it is truly surrounding the client's intentions and not just being like puffery for your ego and, or like super canned stale. Um, that is where most lawyers fail. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. So I, I got stuck on somebody else's drip campaign and I'm like forwarding it to... Uh, my business partner for the marketing company. I was like, dude, this is great. Like, this is really good copy. And he's like, tomorrow the email is going to read blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, he's like, that's from this one. You know, there's this thing. Uh, before we go, before we go farther, uh, Russ Farbier has asked, what's the cost for Demio? It's a hundred dollars a month for like the, the version that everybody probably can use and usually won't max out. Like that's the the version that max out, I think is 150 attendees. So not just signups, like we've had over 150 signups, but you're usually only looking at like a 40% show up rate. So you'd have to like really kill it on the leads for one single event to max out that, that pay level. But $99 a month is what Demio charges, but it's got these native integrations with, with like active campaign and other uh, great marketing tools so that have these uh, direct syncs for, for um, you know, data and whatnot. So it's incredibly useful, but it's, it's strength is actually it's lack of video going the other way. Like obviously in any sort of like video conference, you have sort of two-way video. Um, you can obviously turn that off with Zoom and whatnot, but the uh, chat function is pretty strong with the ability to add in polls. So you can actually like ask the client or ask the, uh, the leads something during the presentation to continue to further that engagement instead of just, you know, they come for 10 minutes and then they log off because they're bored. Um, and then it's, it's highest and best use is the call to action buttons. Like it's got an actual booking button where you can, you know, click the button and it'll access a booking link. And that just makes it super easy for the client or the potential client to take the next step. Don't make it hard. Like I, because what, what I do now, I actually attend other web, other attorneys webinars. 
to see like what their their process looks like and what their experience looks like and time and time again it's email us if you're interested in, in, in scheduling a consultation or call our office and one they're not gonna right that's too many steps and two where's your lead tracking then right so if somebody just calls you and says I'd like to book a consultation. You don't know where they came from unless they're, they remember and they're honest and you basically rely on their word for that. But if you give them the opportunity to book through a specific link, you can actually track it. And that's how we report effective ROI, right? It's, you don't really know what's working unless you actually can track it. So are you going into these other webinars with your actual name or do you have a fake alternative persona for webinars? Yeah, it, it's, it's partially to, um, nudge a little bit right <laughs> so be like i'm here i'm looking right and it's usually people who are already doing webinar campaigns that are that are like in our funnel that haven't uh, hired us yet um and it's usually because they're either doing it themselves or uh someone else who's sort of a diy uh adjacent like fireside or or um um like an all-in-one platform are kind of doing it for them they're not great at it so it's it's usually like this very lackluster you know put together product so so it's not like y'all poke a bite us or something like that. In no, <laughs> um, that, that's a good idea though. I should do that. Thank you. So <laughs> Russ, uh, Russ, I need you to expand upon your question. Cause so when I see the comment on Facebook, we're about 20 seconds behind. So Russ asked, what about Lawmatics? But I'm not sure what that's in reference to. If you want to give us the longer question, Russ, I'm more than happy to get that answered by Paul. So yeah. So now, I, and I use Lawmatics, right? So, but it's not, and I don't do a native integration between Demio and Lawmatics. I do a Zapier based integration. So I basically have a uh, lead created and then lead added or a new matter created in, in Lawmatics through a Zap. And then our team basically just segments the leads based on uh, the webinar date and event and those sort of things within different matter fields. Gotcha. All right, Russ, if that didn't answer your question, then please give us a little bit more um, specificity on it. Cool. So the so now let's time shift back so it's march into the end of march into april you've run this some issues have come up you've got you're finding the demio platform etc what mm -hmm. other problems do you see attorneys making when it comes to this webinar marketing i know the canned stuff that doesn't fit them makes sense not being easy to book but i know uh, you've got some notes along those lines i think yeah so and these campaigns are sort of broken up into phases there's the actual like facebook campaign itself so like how are we gathering leads how are leads actually you know coming to the campaign signing up on the landing page and that kind of thing um so we call that sort of like you know the actual sign up phase or the, the campaign phase we have the actual like presentation creation portion which is the actual like you know presentation copy and creative and and the actual content of the presentation and then there's the delivery the actual presentation being conducted and the call to action and then there's the follow-up right so those are all very important they're they're very um obviously connected but very different uh usually facebook marketers are going to stop as soon as those leads are in right that's where they've sort of quote unquote delivered on their services our team actually goes through the, the content presentation or the, the presentation content delivery and, and uh, uh, creation process and coaches on the actual presentation delivery and call to action process too, to basically help you create a one of a kind, unique and conversion driven presentation, not just the content, but how to deliver it. So with Facebook campaigns, what we see across the board is, is a few things. One, it's a lack of a connection with potential clients. And that you don't really know your ideal client at all 
or you don't understand them truly. So th those are kind of two different things. You, you, you may not have even thought about who your ideal client is from an avatar standpoint, but maybe if you have, you, you don't really understand what they like. You don't really understand what's driving them, what their why or what their true motivation is. And so it ends up being very like surface level, not really any penetration on the messaging. The content and creative of the ad doesn't really hit because it's not truly speaking to the, to the potential client. Um, there's also this, this sort of concerted lack of effort with campaign creation, where it's usually like a lawyer doing it themselves creates this post and then they boost it. And they're like, Facebook ads. Oh, it didn't work. Crap right? Oh, that must not work, right? The channel is broken. It doesn't work for my firm. There, there isn't really any, any uh, investment of time and effort in long form copy, you know, using emojis within the copy, using different copy sets, you know, the sort of like, uh, you know, A, B test sets that you would run against each other, uh, combinations of different copy and creative. It's usually like one thing and they run it and they set it and forget it. There usually isn't any, any ongoing maintenance to sort of try it, pivot, iterate, A-B test at all. So I've got to jump in with my, my all-time favorite story. The most successful campaign I've ever run on Facebook was run for my nonprofit. So I'm the chairperson for Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Central Florida. Mm -hmm. So not this year's golf tournament, but our last year's golf tournament literally went into Facebook. We were like people within 25 miles of the golf course who love mentorship and golf. And we had like a couple of different you know, organizations or things they would like. And then the copy was like, hey, you love mentorship and golf. Why don't you come support our organization at our golf tournament? Here's, you know, click here to book. And it was the most insane return on investment we've ever gotten. One, I think it was helpful that it was for charity. Two, it was the week before school started. So a bunch of people took their kids out for like one last golfing thing in whatever it was, 20, end of uh, 2020. So just over a year ago. Um, and it was so funny, but it's exactly what you talked about. Like literally we found the people and we were like, we are writing this right to you because we mm -hmm. know that you love this stuff. You know, Facebook has given us all this great stuff. And it was Well, that's it. And, and and there's like a lot of things adjacent to the interest too, like the actual geotargeting, right? You you honed in on an area, right? I actually just I, I posted this in the the Max Law Guild because it was it was hilarious. It was an ad from what I now know is a New York tenant rights or landlord tenant law firm that I saw in North Carolina, right, sitting at my house. I was on a mobile network too. It wasn't on my Wi-Fi. So there wasn't like some weird VPN, you know, disconnect. It didn't say anything about the, what the law firm did. The call to action was like New York's premier, totally cut off title. There was no like explanation as to why I was seeing it, what they could do for me, who they are, anything like that. But that screams to me that they did it themselves that nobody used geographic restrictions because why would a New York, you know, law firm be honing in on, you know, the, the suburbs of Raleigh. Um, and then there was no real like testing as to what the actual copy and creative looked like. It's just sort of like this lackluster attempt and it's not going to work. And that firm is probably going to be like, well, this channel is broken, right? This just isn't for firms like ours. Womp, 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 right? It's just these conclusory, you know, opinions based on a failed attempt. I think so, you're nicer than me for assuming they did it themselves. <laughs> I, I'm assuming they hire that marketing company that some dude in his parents' basement that says he appeals only to lawyers that does the same template over and over again and yet somehow produces this. But well, it was it nice. it read very like up your own butt, kind of like, you know, uh and, and who knows, maybe that's maybe you're right. Maybe it was just a sort of a lackluster marketing attempt. It could be one of those sort of all-in-one shops that tries to do all things and isn't great at anything kind of thing. Um 
But the big thing is like just a, a a total lackluster attempt at using this channel for for its its highest and best use, which is demographic based targeting. Um, generally, we see too wide of an audience. You know, they're they're targeting based on age without interests. They're targeting based on gender, based on an assumption, right? A lot of people think women drive the discussion for estate planning when a lot of our leads are men, probably half of them, right? So if we just excluded based on gender would be you know cutting our audience in half um a, a total lack of a b testing um a total misunderstanding of what ad sets generally are like why you would run them up against each other and and actually test throughout Sorry, and just i want to yeah no i just want to flush that point out for yeah. anybody listening or watching so when we're talking about a b testing literally we are talking about creating two not necessarily completely different but a couple different variables and then seeing which ones perform better which one gets more impressions which one gets more mm -hmm. clicks which one gets better clients, which one gets more people to show up. And then you start taking those numbers and you start taking that data and you work backwards to create the ultimate one for your goals. Cause like Paul so brilliantly talked about before, a lot of this might be um, linked, might be a email list building. So mm -hmm. if that's the case, you may want one that gets a million signups, even if those people don't show up, if you've got a good plan in place to still contact with their, uh, connect with their email. Whereas if you don't have that and they don't get there, now you've wasted all this money getting an email, you're not going to do anything with. Yeah, a lot of it is based on the creative that you're using, the actual image or video or what the actual like lure is that you're trying to dangle in front of somebody to, to get their attention from, you know, continuing to scroll. And if you're just like putting your entire, you know, uh, all the eggs in one basket for one image and it just sucks and you don't realize it, then you just lost your whole campaign. It's just not going to be as effective. So like our team will generally run four to six different combinations of ad uh, creative and copy, just sort of mix and match. So we're usually running between eight and 12 ad sets. And then they're all at once at the beginning. And then we basically pair them down. We see which ones are, are you know, underperforming, you know, too high a lead cost or too low a click through rate and those sort of things. And then we basically whittle it down to the two or three highest performing, you know, ad sets and then turn off the gas. Um, most people don't even get past the creation of a second ad set. They're usually just, you know, one ad set. We run it. It either worked or it didn't. So it ends up being sort of a low ceiling on their on their their total uh, potential outcome. Um, let's see. A lot of people have like launch timing way off. Like I see all the time people are, are like advertising for webinars a month out. Nobody signs up for a webinar a month out who's actually going to show up for it because you just don't know your calendar a month out. Not truly like you can look at your calendar and say, yeah, I'm available. But the things that get deprioritized the easiest are webinars, right? It's just how it works. And so a lot of times we're running campaigns about five days out. So from the actual event start five days prior. So I do a lot of my, my events on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, just sort of depending on the time of year uh, or like how close it is to a, a holiday or what have you. And so when we have Monday, Tuesday events, we usually are running it like Wednesday or Thursday through the weekend. And the weekend is when all the scrolling is happening, right? That's where we get the, the highest number of leads converting to webinar attendees. Um, but we see often, you know, people start it at least two weeks ahead of time because they think that there just needs to be that level of lead time. And it's just wrong, right? You're just going to blow through your ad spend for people who are just not really engaged or, or, or actually expect to show up. The actual value is for the attendees. It's not just building a list of leads. It's it's trying to actually compel the attendees to take action while they're there, while you can sort of seize on the momentum. So the whole point is creating uh, a strategy for these campaigns that will get attendees to actually show up. And part of that too is the pre-event drip cycle, the actual reminder campaign. 
email and text to basically make sure that they've got the right information, that they're reminded of the right information at the right time. That's actually going to get them to show up and that it be easy, right? They don't have to jump through hoops or anything like that. So before you go into a, another one, I've got a question here. So sure. look, you're not Uber eating people a steak dinner when they're coming to this webinar, I don't think. Right, right. Okay. So I think that makes a huge difference on the mindset of somebody showing up because I think on the traditional webinar stuff, you might get some people willing to get the kind of timeshare spiel in exchange for the cheap tickets at Disney or get the steak dinner in exchange for the webinar conversation. Here, you don't have that. So are you seeing a better success rate from people showing up or, or is it different? Uh, show up rates are actually pretty consistent, but it's, it's not because of a, a presence or lack of stake. Um, I think one of the biggest disconnects is the actual connection to what the client's interested in. And, and what we've really honed in on is the actual pain point. Like, you know, we, we do a presentation that is called the three ways to plan ahead for the second half of life. And, a lot of its theme is sort of uh, long-term care planning. What happens if you go to, to a assisted living or, or skilled nursing facilities? How can you plan ahead for that type of need instead of just, we're all gonna die, let's plan ahead, right? The, the typical topic that we'll see for estate planning from other lawyers is like trusts 101 or like estate planning 101. And a lot of people know enough of the basics about estate planning for that to just totally go over their head. Like they, like it, they're not even picking up on it. They're not even interested. And it's because I think a lot of people in their sort of reptile crocodile brain, whatever you want to call it, will, will have this sort of like bias of, Oh, I already know that I don't need to actually attend because I already know what a trust is, or I already know what estate planning is. What is this guy going to tell me that I don't already know? Right. But most people don't know the first thing about Medicaid eligibility, about long-term care structures, about like how you can make sure that certain things can happen no matter what. So a lot of opportunity is lost just in having a crappy topic or a topic that is just so basic that it's not interesting. The 101s never land, right? It's just, it's a, it's a very easy recipe for disaster. So when you say the show up rates are consistent, you mean consistent with consistent since you've been running these virtually or consistent with when you're running them beforehand as well? Both. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and it's generally, I think, uh, industry expectation is about 40%. Um, now you'll have, you know, ebbs and flows, nothing's linear, nothing's flat. So, you know, some months were way lower than that. Sometimes 20%, some months were up in the 60 to 70%. This kind of depends. And a lot of it too is there isn't like one way to run these or like one time to do a presentation. You got to iterate and you've got to A-B test on, on the rest of the thing and not just the A-B testing like what we talked about with ad creative, but the actual like timing, um, day of the week, uh, how often you switch the topic. Like, you know, the topics don't work forever. You got you to kind of refresh them every once in a while because your ad set, if you're targeting the same audience, is just going to get stale um even if we're using sort of different creative and stuff like that pro tip though mm -hmm. it is a lot more time sensitive there is a lot easier time wise to a b test the copy to a b test the images than it is to a b test the actual presentation so please dear For god sure. don't run 16 different ad sets to eight different presentations and then wonder why a couple of them didn't sign up really get that part dialed in before you're changing up the actual presentation 
That's it. And, and I think A-B testing the content of the presentation is really uh, effective in the same campaign, like, you know, tweaking different calls to action from one to the next, because then you can really effectively compare them against each other versus like, you know, I tried it this way in May and I'm going to try it this way in September and we'll just see, right? You don't really remember sufficiently how it worked in May. It's not a really good comparison. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you want to have consistency across, you know, the campaigns so that you don't have these, these, you know, massive outliers. But, um, you know, one thing we try to do is, is uh, like in the month of September, we're doing nothing but night presentations. We haven't done that yet. We've done, we've seen in the last couple months, a little bit lower show up rate for the daytime presentations, like the 10 AMs and the 2 PMs. And, you know, you're generally looking at different segments of a market. People who sign up for day programs are generally going to be retirees versus night could be really anybody, but it's more going to be the after work crowd. And so our conversion rate is actually a lot higher for night programs over the last couple months. And so we're going to try to just drive that strategy into the ground and, and test it. Right. I mean, and we never can draw conclusions effectively unless we actually try it out. And so we're going to do nothing but night programs in September and, and just see how it works, see if our assumption or our theory, you know, proves accurate. Um, but that's just sort of it. We've been doing this for two years and right. we're still testing. It's, it's nothing is ever like set it and forget it. We don't do automated because automated doesn't work as well. We don't just sort of say, well, it worked this way last week. Let's try it, try it the same exact way. Right. And, and to everybody listening, that applies to everything like marketing, mm -hmm is technically an art because you are trying to convince people to do something, whatever that is from it. But the more that you can provide at least the scientific method behind it. So exactly what Paul's talking about, AB testing, looking at the numbers, seeing that there's a better show up at night. So let's try only night opportunities, things like that. That's how you're going to get that great long-term success because you can continuously tweak and continuously check. And if it doesn't work for three months, you go back to the way it was. And if it does work better, you, you test the next thing you check the next issue. Well, and that's it too, is you've got to go into a new campaign, a new type of marketing with a realistic expectation for how long it's going to take for it to actually sort of prove out. Like when I started doing presentation marketing, I knew that I was going to commit to three months, no matter what, because I knew that the first month was not going to be the strongest it could be. And I knew that there were going to be different ways that we could do it, that that could only really be tried and true by doing it. It couldn't just be like, we're going to map it out and then we'll, we'll draw a conclusion and just run with it. It had to be these month to month iterations, turning up the ad spend, turning it down, changing the days of the week, those sort of things, and just tweaking little things in different combinations to see what works. And um, that's the other part of this, too, is like, you know, we talked earlier about that natural ceiling of like that personal marketing efforts of like content creation and referral marketing and those sort of things. Those things actually have pretty solid ROI and pretty solid conversion rates because they're a little bit more um, uh, trusting. They're a little bit, there's more credibility around it. There's more branding that you're extending from yourself to the lead. These are cold campaigns, right? Facebook is cold. They don't generally know you. So if you have referral marketing expectations for a cold marketing campaign, you're going to be let down every day of the week because you're not going to have the same level of conversion rate. And that's fine because we're gonna be casting a wider net, right? You're gonna be uh, expecting to get a higher level of leads returned. And so of the higher level, level of leads, it's okay to get a lower conversion rate, right? You don't need you know, an 80% conversion rate on cold leads like you do with referrals because they're just you know, night and day different in terms of lead volume, but it's part of the equation. It's having realistic expectations. Like we're probably only gonna get about a 40% show up rate. And 
total leads, we're probably gonna get about 10 to 15% of them to book consultations. So raw lead sign up to actual consultations booked. And that's awesome, right? If you have a hundred leads and 10 people showed up or, or uh, 10 people booked consultations with you or 15 people booked consultations with you, that's an awesome result. So it shouldn't be like this, this uh, you know, letdown because you didn't have the same return as you did with referral marketing. They're totally different channels that should have totally different expectations. I love it. That's such a strong point. So as we get towards the end, um, I know you've got a list. So any mm -hmm. other biggest mistakes you see people making? I think it's uh, making it too much about the lawyer. So like lawyers are really type A, they're really proud of what they've done and they should be for sure, but that's not where it should be exhibited. It shouldn't be exhibited in your, you know, your Facebook campaigns, the presentation itself. The presentation should be all about the potential client. It should be about how you are connected to their pain point and how you can help them solve that pain point. Not about, I went to XYZ law school and I was on law review and all these other things. And I used to work at this big law firm and now I open this firm and yada, yada, just eyes rolling back in, in the heads, right? They just don't care. Uh, and that's where people start logging off. Um, you need to create a presentation that sufficiently introduces the problem and the point of your presentation introduces you to the person that's attending as a potential guide through that problem and establishes credibility between you and the attendee, not just the type of CLE manuscript type presentation that you would give to the bar association, right? This should be story brand type stuff. Like you're connecting to their deepest fear, their deepest worry, and that you understand it and can help them solve it. The content should also be about that. So we have sort of the introduction, the education, and then the call to action. The education should only be about that problem being solved, not getting lost in the weeds of the features of how you're going to do it, right? Nobody buys a Volkswagen because they understand ex exactly how the, the engine of a Volkswagen works. They just want to get from point A to point B and look good doing it and not break down on the side of the road. They don't care about carburetors or mufflers or those sort of things. Lawyers shoot themselves in the foot every time they try to get into the details and the features instead of staying high level with the value. So if you're, if you're like me and you're funny, or if you're like me and you think you're funny, I literally have started in my presentations with that, you know, slide two, my face. And instead of being like, this is my bio, I'm like, you don't care about me. And then we just go to slide three and it's maybe the only good joke. I don't know. So far it's got <laughs> pretty good results. So you, can, you all can steal that if you want. Well, and a lot of people, you know, when they come to a presentation, um, they certainly want you to deliver on what you're promising. So obviously there needs to be that smells the same. It needs to, it needs to be consistent that you're actually delivering on what you're promising, but they also want to know what the next step is. And that's where a lot of lawyers fall flat is they don't make it about taking action. They just make it about, look how smart I am, right? I know all the things about estate planning. No one cares. You don't have to be the best lawyer to do a good estate plan for a client. You just need to understand what they want and what they need. So an effective call to action is going to allow the client to know what the next process is and actually ask them to take the first step. And that's missing in pretty much every presentation that I've ever sit through, sat through at least in an effective way. It's usually, here's my business card. If you're interested, call us. That sucks. Wah, wah, wah. That's a terrible call to action, right? And it, it basically isn't a call to action. It's just, it's just sort of like the end slide representation. But for all of the leads that did not convert, the last sort of like, you know, hole in the bucket, so to speak, where lawyers fail is a lack of follow-up. There is no consistent email or text or whatever follow-up process 
to make sure that the people got the information that they missed out on by attending live so that the, the replay was sent to them and that they got it to see if they have any additional questions. And they obviously raised their hand at the beginning, right? This is direct response marketing. So people are opting in because they want to know what you, what you have to say. So if they're still in your funnel, do they have any questions that they would like you to answer in a private, you know, one-on-one -on -one consultation? When this, when this process is created effectively, sort of from, you know, campaign through follow-up, you have a killer marketing channel that will not just perform well in the month that it's ran, but it will continue to perform well over time because it will feed other marketing channels like monthly newsletters and those sort of things. And so it's got a lot of secondary benefits over and above just whoever attends and schedules consultations. Well, and the beauty of that A-B testing is sometimes it can be really hard to A-B test the timing of your follow-up. Mm -hmm. However, if you've got 120 people signed up for, or if you, let's say 100, 40 of them show up, you've got 60 people that didn't show up to the webinar, it might be a lot easier for you to figure out the right time to follow up with them because now you've got 60 leads that are slowly going cold and you'll so, see you know, what to do that on that route. Well, and I think a lot of lawyers come to the conclusion of like, they'll follow up if they're interested, right? People do that with post consults like that don't convert at the table. Well, if they're interested, they'll, they'll give us a call. No, they won't because life, they've got kids, they've got jobs, they've got other things going on and their attention is immediately pulled in another direction. So they need to be reminded. So this post event follow-up is necessary for every marketing channel that you have and consultations, right? So when you create these systems that are sort of you know, framed from the client's perspective and aimed at providing a solution to the client, not just padding your wallet, they become that much more effective because they're continuing to be cued in to the client's needs and the solution that they're trying to find, not just lawyer, meet client, transaction, right? So I want to be cognizant of your time um, as well as probably Breezy's time and probably my time, but mostly your time. So uh, in like two or three minutes, any other mistakes that we can nail through? I mean, obviously, I guarantee you, you and I could have this conversation for 10 hours, unfortunately, or fortunately. <laughs> fortunately for us, unfortunately for those making the mistakes. Well, I, and I think it's just, uh, uh, this is going to be, I think, a general marketing mistake is, is a lack of effort in actually like flushing it out. Uh, making sure that it is thorough in what it does without being boring. Like you want to be complete in your presentation. It doesn't need to be long for the sake of being long. Like ours are usually about 45 minutes, which is about the tail end of the attention span of the average American for these types of presentations. But it all, all of this has to be, I, I've said it a couple of times, story brand. It has to be about the client accomplishing what they're setting, setting upon the course to accomplish and you helping them to do that. And that I think is just a pointer for everybody to implement in all of their marketing channels, but it's even more important for things like webinars, because this is such a, a more in-depth campaign. Love it. All right. So um, now that we covered, I don't know, a little bit more than the tip of the iceberg, but probably not much more than that. And we're definitely past our, well, we're at about our 45 minute mark. Um, we're going to get towards the end of this. So our next episode is going to air on Thursday at 1.30. This one, I hope, is going to be as interesting as I think it's going to be. We're talking with Erica Young about how networks shape our well-being, relationships, and community. Erica Young is a network scientist, meaning that literally she looks at networks from a true scientific perspective. And I am really interested to see because I have never looked at networks in that way. Obviously, 
we talk about networking a lot. We're aware of networking. We use networking quite a bit, but to really break it down from a scientific perspective, I think this is going to be an incredibly interesting conversation that will take place next Thursday at 1.30 Eastern time. So that being said, it's uh, 2.20 Eastern time now. So to give you an idea, same time here, just Thursday. But Paul, I am not going to let you go without that final nugget of wisdom because I know Listen, uh, Russ earlier commented, you know, only in business three years impressive given where you are, 100% agree. So there is a ton of wisdom in there and a, a ton of hard work that you have put in to build these things. This is not something where you lucked into it. This is you dedicating the time, resources, knowledge, experience, et cetera, and hiring the right people to help flush in whatever it was to get to where you are. So for anybody listening or watching this who is still struggling, who is not the exhibit A of a successful attorney and is trying to be, what is that biggest piece of advice you want to share with them? It could be something we've already talked about. It could be something totally different. Just what's that most important piece of advice if nobody listens to any of the wisdom you've shared for 50 minutes? Ask for help. I think yeah. along the way, you, you have a natural limit of what you can do on your own. And, and that applies to marketing. It applies to um, growth of a law firm, employment, uh, you know, management. Lawyers only know so much, and a lot of lawyers are very hesitant to ask for help because they think it's a sign of weakness. But whether that's hiring a coach, hiring a contractor to perform tasks for you that you're just not capable of learning or it wouldn't really be your best, your best use of time to learn and do it yourself, ask for help. That's how we grow. That's how we grow personally as a, as a person. That's how we help uh, you know, other lawyers grow their firms. Ask for help. Um, because if you don't, you're just going to be sort of, you know, blinders. It, there's going to be a natural limit of what you can uh, accomplish on your own. And if you're okay with that, then it is what it is. But I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, hoping to exceed a certain threshold, you're not going to do it on your own. I love it. You know, it's, it's so interesting to me. We talk about being, you know, Renaissance men or Renaissance people, but really every, every truly successful business owner to the extent that they are a renaissance person, it is only because of the number of hobbies they have because they have a well-run business that allows them to not work. It is not so much that they are a phenomenal lawyer and a great business owner and a great HR rep and a great marketer and a great designer and a great videographer and a great whatever. So I love that that is your biggest piece of advice. And seriously, guys, Paul is somebody to take the advice from because he has, he has walked this walk and will continue to be very, very successful. Thanks, man. I appreciate your kind of words. Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that you were willing to slum it and come on our show. So, <laughs> uh, for those of you that know, Paul and I have a relatively similar sense of humor. So, it, uh, it is what it is. So, thank you to yeah, everybody. I think we're about watching. the same age, too, right? Uh, I am 33. Yep, 34. Yeah. Hey, there we go. So, same thank age. you for everybody who has listened to this. And again, we have uh, discoverylegalmarketing.com. That's it. Those who are more interested in a webinar marketing with Paul. And we will see you next Thursday to talk to Erica Young. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of Successful Attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E.